0: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm sharing with you a conversation I had with Jenny Nash, who is the founder of Author Accelerator, a book coaching service that helps hundreds of writers complete their book projects by giving them sustained editorial support that they need. And that's what we talk about in this conversation, though we are talking specifically about the project management of writing a book so it's not only a productive endeavor moving forward but it's also a creative endeavor moving forward and how to stay on top of that even if you're not a writer you're going to get something out of this conversation and during this conversation you hear us talk about accountability you'll hear us talking about figuring out your why and your purpose behind the project the way to fit the project into your existing workflow or lifestyle and much more so again even if you're not a writer or if you're an aspiring writer, I think you're going to get something out of this conversation with Jenny Nash. This week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Jenny Nash. Jenny, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So uh, we 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 talk on and off about writing on the show. I just have I just had Jeff Goins on the show recently, and and fact, I heard that it yeah. was amazing. And and again, he's the one who he. I don't know how this has happened. It's not been my plan, but he's been on the show more times than anybody else. So, you know, he has that record. He will probably maintain that record as long as I keep asking him back because he's generous with his time. But his main thing is all about writing. But, you know, I don't want to have him just come on and talk about writing, which, again, in fact, is actually not what he ever really comes on to talk about, except in that very last conversation that we did. But even then, it's never just about writing. It's about the creative process. It's about doing good work, which, again, productivity is a major part of and vice versa. But for you, you're doing stuff that's specifically with writing. And I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of writing and getting over our own hangups, when it comes to writing, even putting our writing in priority over other things in our life, which may sound counterintuitive to people. But let's first start by talking a bit about where you're coming from and how you've been involved in the, not just writing, but publishing industry for a while now.
1: A long time. I have been in the publishing industry for more than 30 years my first job out of college was actually at Random House. So I had a very early start in the publishing industry. Um, You can do the math and see just about where I am in my life. But um, I've had the great privilege of working on many sides of the the book publishing industry um, on the staff side, um, the magazine side, the writing side. And now what I do is I coach writers who are serious about getting their books out into the world. And what I love about your intro there is that writing and creativity, all these things are, are it's never just about what the thing is, right? It's always about a, a book is a, a massive intellectual undertaking. It's a, a huge project. And I find that, that actually non-writers, so people who are in business, entrepreneurs, anybody who is used to Doing a long project over time with multiple moving parts, these people are very good at writing books because they have the skills that you actually really need to to bring a book to life. So anybody who is called to write a book because of the work that they're doing in their business life, maybe they're an expert in their field, maybe they want to be a thought leader, these are the people who I tend to work with and who do very, very well with writing a book. They, they've they got what it takes.
0: So a writing coach, a lot of people are wondering, okay, what does that mean? Do you like write alongside them and say, okay, give me 20 more sentences? Get, get (laughs) you know, like.
1: I wish that would be awesome. I I do like to say that a book coach is like a personal trainer for your writing life. And we're going to help you get to the end of your project in better shape and with better efficiency than if you didn't have a coach and we actually do very much what you're talking about, just not not at that specificity, but we help you manage the project. We help you decide what you're trying to say, what the framework, what the structure is. And then as you write forward, we are there to give you feedback, give you support, give you accountability. That's what I mean about it being more efficient because now you've got a partner in the process, not a partner in the writing per se. You're going to get feedback on your writing but a book coach is not going to be in there writing actually with you, just in the project with you, giving you that support that you need so that you actually finish.
0: And it sounds like you're not necessarily playing the role of an editor either, right?
1: Actually, uh, we do. It's, oh, okay. A developmental editor is a, a very particular thing. So that would be if you have a finished draft of a book you would go to a developmental editor to make sure that you have got the whole thing is hanging together as an entity. And that is an excellent thing to do. Most people don't get any professional guidance or help until that point when they're writing a book, they think they have to slog through all on their own and then take it to a developmental editor. A book coach is going to give you that same developmental editing on the page feedback but while you're writing so that you don't get off track
0: if you were talking in metaphorical terms like saying a coach like a you know like a coach a fitness coach would be is not only are you helping them have motivation to accomplish the goal they've set out before them but you're kind of also saying hey now when you're doing this your form here in this certain motion of, you know, whatever the physical activity would be is actually a little off here. Correct. This is what you want to do instead. And it kind of gets it more into the the realm of not, you know, hurting themselves, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And that's I love that metaphor. Actually, I talk a lot about um, let's say you're a golfer and I'm not a golfer. So for golfers need to forgive me if I've got my terminology <laughs> wrong. Um, but your something about your swing is not working right. And, and the, the outcome of your, of your hitting a shot is not what you want it to be. So you go to a coach who's going to watch your swing and they're going to say, you know, your backswing is too big. Your follow through isn't straight. You're not bending your hips. You know, they're going to give you the, break it down to help you improve your skill and have a better result. So it's it's very analytical the the work that that we do and and it is so that I'll just give you an example of how this might go. So if you come to me and you say, you know, I'm running this Business. And I have a great idea for a book because every one of my clients who comes to me asks the same set of questions. And I and I find myself saying the same thing to people over and over again. So I realize this is a topic or a skill that people need to learn that I have a special expertise in. And I want to capture that process so I can teach it to them. That that's your goal. You want to write a book. And maybe you've never written a book before. So you don't know what should the structure be? What should the framework be? How many pages should it be? How many words should it be? How long is this going to take me? You know, you're going to, you're going to come to me and we're going to sit down. We're going to say, okay, well, the first thing I would do is ask you if you're interested in self-publishing or traditional publishing, which is a whole other topic that we could get into if we want, but depending on your goals, depending on your life, how are you going to get that draft done? How many pages are you going to write? You know, we'll literally talk about your your day or your week. I know your listeners are very interested in productivity and how to optimize your time and your days. And for writers, you said at the top, if you, you know, do you put your writing first? Do you put it last? Do you do it when you have time? Like what is the habit that is going to be most effective in your day and your life? And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what your goal is in terms of when do you want this out in the world? Is there a time where it would make more sense? You know, does it make more sense to bring this book out for uh, Christmas, for uh, Q1 of the business year? You know, what what is your goal in terms of that? Then we're going to to look at the framework and really figure out where you should start, how you should move forward. And then you'll actually start doing the work and, and a book coach is going to help. You get the habits to produce the work that you need to stay on that goal. So it's it's project management, it's editorial, it's understanding the entire system and process. So you know most people, well, if you haven't read a book before, you haven't done it before. You don't know how to do that. And it, you know, I like to, um, I always like to refer people to this amazing uh, TED Talk by the writer Atul Gawande. Um Atul Gawande is a New Yorker writer and a surgeon and he has a TED Talk on bringing a coach into the uh, operating room to watch him do surgery. So that he could make sure that his skills were sharp, and that that's kind of a funny a funny way to say it, right? A surgeon's <laughs> skills are sharp, but um that he had someone come in and watch him, and here's a guy who's at the top of his game as a surgeon and and you know, obviously, you have to know what you're doing if you're doing surgery on somebody. but the idea that you can always get better. That having somebody watch your process and be in your process with you and optimizing, you know, it's that growth mindset that you can always improve and not just in an abstract way, but in an an actual output way. You could be a better writer. You could be a more efficient writer. You could write more something you're more satisfied with. All of those outcomes are what we're aiming for.
0: I would assume then that one of the things that you work with your clients with has to do with how they're going to put in the time to get the words down and that a lot of them have different reasons or excuses or uh, struggles or all of the above as to – how they can fit that into their life because they're not just a writer. They're not only a writer. They have families, they have day jobs. And so they have to fit it in either in margin times or, uh, you know, take take retreats where it's like, hey, okay, this weekend, like, I'm going to be gone all Saturday morning or, you know, different things like that to try and get chunks of writing done, and you have a different way of putting it where you're talking about putting the writing uh, as a priority and talking about putting the writing first. And I'm curious what you mean by that, because again, for some people, they'd be like, well, wait a second, I can't put my writing first. I have other things that are a higher priority in my life.
1: Yeah. So the thing about writing, if you're if you're talking about writing a book, if you're talking about writing. Uh, a journal or, or writing, um, becoming a better business writer, that that's a different realm. But if you're talking about writing a book, you're talking about a very specific thing and it, and it's the ROI on writing a book at the, at the surface level is really bad. <laughs> It's going to take you a really long time. Nobody's going to pay for it until you're done. Even when you're done, they might not pay you a lot for it. So there's a tendency to think this is the last thing I need to spend my time on. To your point, I've got a business to run. I've got a family to raise. You know, my car needs to go into the shop. I need to go to the dentist. You've you've got all the things that are more pressing on your time.
0: Yeah, exactly. More pressing commitments is is what it feels like. And they, they literally feel sometimes like they're pressing down on you.
1: Yeah, and to to take the time to say, "Hey, I'm going to go in my office, or I'm going to go to the coffee shop, or what have you," and and I'm going to check out, and I'm going to and I'm going to sit there and I'm make some stuff up and put some words on on the page, you know, with my thoughts and ideas. It does not seem like a very valuable undertaking. So the first thing that that I think a person in that situation needs to do is to ask themselves, "Why are you doing this?" and and I mean that in on several different levels. So, in a really big picture way, because writing a book is about communicating something that you believe in. It's standing on the mountaintop and asking people to listen to you because you have something to say. And that is as true with writing a novel as it is with writing a nonfiction book. It's writing a book is inherently about raising your voice and it's really getting down to what you want to say. And it's, that's the reason so many people are called to write a book because this is a form of communication that when you think about it, no one's going to interrupt you. No one's going to get in your way. You can say exactly what you want to say. You can capture exactly what you want to believe. There's really no, nowhere else in your life that you can do that. Um, Life is so busy these days. I've read so many of the studies and the the work coming out on the amount of interruptions people have in a given day and, you know, the amount of time that you're spending on email and social media and this idea of, you know, Calport, Newport's idea of deep work and that deep work is now the, the most valuable commodity. And writing is, has to be deep work. And so finding time for it, you've got to st- start with what your why is. You have to really know what that is. And, and then you have to also know not just what you're trying to communicate and what you're trying to say, but you've got to really figure out what is that going to mean to my life or my business that I, that I write this book? How is it going to make it better? Because if you don't know that, you're going to always have an excuse for not doing it. There's There's always something more pressing. So, you know, you've got to understand, okay, there's no direct ROI for this project. It seems kind of self-indulgent and frivolous. You know, you're all, you're going to just put it off until there's time. It's I, There's a thing that I call the, the myth of the cabin in the woods. So the cabin in the woods is that idea that if you just gave me three months with nothing else to do and no other interruptions, no other demands on my time, I could write a book. I can really write a write book. I'm just never going to have that, that, you know, cabin in the woods. So people think, well, I need to wait until I'm retired or I need to wait until I get a promotion so I can rest a little easier or I need to wait until, you know, whatever my kids are in school full time or my kids are driving or, you know, whatever the thing is. And I I help people get past the, that mindset and that roadblock to to tap into why they want to do this for in a bigger picture than that. And writing a book has a really unique place in our culture, where people who write books are revered and they are looked upon as more expert than other experts. And if you go and you look at anybody that you admire and follow in the the business world, odds are really good that they have a, a book and that, you know, anybody who who wants to be seen as sort of a next level thought leader is going to have a book. So so it's tapping into the bigger reason why this would matter to you. How would it elevate you? How would people look at you? I mean, it's really strange the this reality of how we look at at book writers. Um, I, I had a really interesting experience with one of the novels that I published that drove this home to me. I, I wrote a novel that featured a character who was a fabric collector. And I had hit upon that profession for a variety of reasons, I wanted her to have a tangible thing because her house burns down. So I wanted her to lose something that she had spent years collecting and amassing, and I wanted it to be creative. So I had all these reasons why she was a fabric collector, and and I had her this this a couple scenes where she was learning how to sew, and her grandmother taught her to sew, and um, she it was a thing that she did, and and when the novel came out, I had so many quilting websites and communities, and by the way, these are massively big communities <laughs> online. There, there's these huge communities of, of people who quilt. And they they reached out to me saying they wanted to have me on their um, podcast or as guest blogger or a show or what have you to talk about sewing. And, and then I'd get on these shows, and they would ask me so what sewing machine did your grandmother use to teach you to sew? And I would say, oh, I don't sew. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they were like, okay, yeah, but you must have taught yourself to sew. It's like, no, I don't actually own a sewing machine. And it's this idea that because I put it in a book and I did it well and I did my research and I had this authority, they assumed I was an expert in sewing. And I 100% wasn't. And if I can do that in a novel, imagine how this elevates you if you're a, a business person and you're codifying your ideas in between the pages of a book, people will see you differently. You will be asked to give workshops. You will be asked to comment in the press. You will be asked to speak. You can elevate yourself in so many ways. So the this is a very long way of answering question. The You find time to write by knowing why you're doing it and why it would matter to you.
0: Having that end goal in mind and the the why behind it then allows you then to say restructure or reprioritize. Not necessarily reprioritize, I guess, but it does. In some senses, yes. In some senses, no. But it does allow you to say, "Wait, I'm probably spending time on things that is of a much lower priority than me." doing this book, me completing this project of this book. And now I need to reprioritize.
1: Exactly. So a book is what I would call a five-year project, five or 10-year project. It's not going to take you that long to do it, but it's probably going to take you that long to really see the impact. And it's, think about that. Like You've got to get this quarter's goals done. You've got to get this week's stuff done. You've got to get today's stuff done. How are you going to think about a five-year a project that's going to pay off in five years? There's, You have to have the mindset of a long-term payoff or you're never going to find the time for it. So, you know, we could talk all day about, oh, you got to write a thousand words a day or you got to write 10 pages a week or whatever that metric might be. And that's all great. That's all true. That's all well and good. But if you don't know why you're doing it and what it's going to get you in the end and what it means to you, you're never going to find that time. You're always going to find the reason not to do it. And, and we get into the habit then of putting it off. And then a book just becomes this thing. I can't tell you the number of people who come to me and they're, they're finally ready to commit to writing a book. And they have wanted to do this for years it hangs over people for years. And I've had way more than just a few people literally say to me, I don't want to die before doing this. Like it's a thing at the center of people's heart and soul that they are called to do. It's not not a small desire. And if you don't address that desire it hangs over you. It's it's heavy. <laughs> and and people have a desperation about it. They want to do this thing. And they don't know how because of what we've been talking about. How do you fit this in? How do you do it? But there are ways to to break it down and make it work in your life depending on what your life is. I mean, I've got clients, all the things you and I have talked about, you know, I've got clients who are um, physicians and they have three kids and they're CEOs or their C-suite um, executives in multinational businesses. They're trying to find a way to make this work and they all do. It just depends on your day, your structure, lo- your life, and you are making the decision that this is a thing you're going to commit to.
0: You were talking about somebody having just this strong desire to write something, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. I mean, maybe somebody just feels like, hey, it's on my bucket list that I've got this story that I really just want to put out there as a book. Like even that, if they're clear on that goal, do you think that's enough of a why?
1: I think it's a really good start. The first question, so I have a system of book coaching that I have codified in this business that I run called Author Accelerator, and I have 32 book coaches and I've trained them all in this process um, and this system of, of overseeing book writing. And the very first thing all of us do with any client, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, whether they haven't started or they have a rough draft, whether they're a New York Times bestseller or they've never written anything, the the first thing that we do is we ask why. And we usually have to push them very hard on their why, because people usually start out with what you you just said. I, I I'm just burning to do this. It's just I can't get it out of my head. It's just haunting me. I just I just gotta get it done. And and I haven't found the time. I I've tried. It's not working. Or I keep circling around the same three chapters. Um, you know whatever their situation is. They they that's usually what they answer. What what I train the coaches to do is come back the next with the feedback and say, okay, but why? Why this book? Why this topic? Why does it matter to you? And and what's really incredible is usually at that point, if they're pushed even just a little bit deeper, they usually come up with something extraordinarily personal and powerful. And and it usually I, I'll give you an example. Um, I mean, there's so many examples, but um, somebody came into the author accelerator program who is a professor um, at a university and she teaches a, a course called generosity at work. And it's about companies, her research is around companies who are generous. And so what that means is um, it came from the open source software universe where you know, you have a piece of proprietary software and you make it available to everyone for for free so that they might take it and do better things with it. And there are companies that have built their entire business on that idea. and And she does research around company generosity. So she, she by that she doesn't mean philanthropy, although that could be part of it. But it's where some sort of generous behavior or action is at the root of the the company. So she came in wanting to write a, a book about that, and she had all this research. She had this curriculum. She had, you know, she was an expert in this field. She had all the stuff that she needed, but she was so stuck, and she was going around and around about do I do case studies? Do I do, um, you know, how do I, how do I frame this material? And, and she worked with one of my book coaches, and we pushed her on the why, why do you care about this? Why does this matter to you? Why? Why is this your area of research? And it's usually a question people have not asked themselves. You know, you don't go around all day thinking, why do I do what I do? It's, you know, at a certain point, you just do do it. And, and she had good answers to that about our culture and our world and how, you know, where we find ourselves as a people, she had really great deep answers. And she began the work of, of writing that book and framing it out and, and trying to get it right. But she was very resistant. And she, she kept balking at her deadlines and the accountability piece of our program. And she was just sort of rankled her and she kind of kept dropping out and coming back and really wrestling with this thing until finally she came to realize that her very deep level why was about women-centered businesses and a women's way of leading and that this idea of generosity to her mattered because what it had to say about women in the world. And this all came to her when the headlines in America were so much about the Me Too movement and um, all of the scandals breaking in Hollywood. And, And it was like a light bulb going off in her head. That's why I've dedicated my whole career to the idea of generosity. It's about women's empowerment. It's about a different way of running a business and a different way of leadership. And when she got that deep level, why she, she just flew through the writing of the book. It was just suddenly clear as day what she needed to do. So it's that process. That was a particularly rough and, um, Difficult story that I told you about getting to your deep, deep level, why it usually doesn't take, um, take that long. It's usually a little bit of guidance will get someone to understanding why they care so much about this thing. And, and when they get it, it's, it's like rocket fuel. And all of a sudden you don't have to find time to write. You have to actually find time to stop and eat because you're just so (laughs) excited, you know?
0: And I think a lot of us would love to find ourselves in that spot. But again, we don't have that much extra time or free time. And so then it's it starts to become about when can I fit this into my schedule or what can I get out of my schedule to where I've got very clear times for deep work on this project? dot com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: The program that we developed at at Author Accelerator, I find this completely fascinating. We, for a long time, we had a program that was, um, there was no commitment. You could come into a month of coaching, have a couple of deadlines, get some feedback on your stuff, go away, do your work, come back. That was the, the process that I described, the, the client I just described was in. And after a certain amount of time delivering that service as a business owner and founder, I realized, you know what, these people are not accomplishing what they should accomplish. And they're not succeeding at the level that I am satisfied with. And in my private consulting work, I would not allow this. So why am I selling this in my business to other people? And we, we totally scrapped our whole way of delivering coaching, and we made it a mandatory six month commitment. And it was, it was fascinating from a running a business standpoint, we made it much more expensive, we made it six months minimum, we made no money back, you, you sign up and that's it. And we did that because that was the best thing for the writer. That was the best the best way for them to get the, the necessary outcome. And I thought, well, that's the end of my business, right? Um, I thought it's people p- purchase this by price point. They don't want a commitment. They've already got enough commitments in their life. Well, this suddenly just flew off the shelves. People could could, could not wait to sign up for this it turned out that what people wanted was for us to hold their feet to the fire. And what I found is that if you put skin in the game like that, you put your money down, you make that commitment, you're not getting it back. It doesn't matter if you get the flu. It doesn't matter if it's the, the holidays, you've got to still deliver pages to your coach who's waiting for them. All of a sudden people did it and they, they achieved the outcome they wanted And what I wanted to see their outcome to be as well. So in terms of making time in a life, it's, I mean, you know that from other things you do in your life, if you've got skin in the game, you're going to see it through. And so it's around this idea of accountability that I found was really the linchpin. That somebody's waiting for your pages on Monday. And if you don't turn them in, you've got to write to that person and say, I don't have them. And people hate that. (laughs) (laughs) They hate letting someone down and, you know, that they're in a relationship with and they for three months, that person has been helping them and you have to say, I didn't do it. And we what we say is that it's better to turn in one page than nothing, because that momentum is going to carry and it really turns out to be true. You can make an enormous amount of progress. If if you're consistent about it and and consistent doesn't have to mean every day, it doesn't have to mean every week, it just has to mean you consistently produce pages and turn them in.
0: And and I think we're we're much more likely or and or willing to let say ourselves down than somebody else who we've allowed to like get in our face.
1: That is so 100% true. Oh my gosh. I mean, you just said something super profound. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing you say all the time. I haven't heard heard that much from what I've listened to, but that's so profound, right? We're so fast to let ourselves down. And that's the thing when people come to me, like I said, and they and they say, I don't wanna die before I write this book. They've probably been letting themselves down since they were 12 years old. They probably wanted to write a book. And thought of themselves as a writer. And they probably were one of those kids who was praised for their writing and loved to read. And and they've wanted this their whole lives. And they're letting themselves down every day. So that when they, yeah, we're way less likely to let somebody else down.
0: And this whole factor of accountability, I mean, again, not only are we more willing to let ourselves down than someone else, we're, if we have our why, we're actually then maybe a little less likely to let ourselves down because we know what's at stake. And maybe we've committed, we've committed in some ways to our why, but also to somebody else as well. So that's
1: exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And there's, um, I recently read the Gretchen Rubin book, um, the four tendencies and she breaks down. It's not exactly personality. It's kind of how you behave in the world. Mm -hmm. um, According to these four tendencies and, and, one of the things that those tendencies is broken down around is this idea of what motivates you in terms of are you more likely to let yourself down? Are you more likely to let somebody else down? You know, are you more likely to let a group down? And if if somebody that's listening to this is, is struggling with this idea of accountability, um, she recommends depending on she has a little test you can take, it's on her website. Um, to determine your tendency and and she has recommendations based on the outcome of this little test and those recommendations are exactly what we're talking about if you're the type of person that will um, you know let's just take take an example uh, you'll make a casserole for your neighbor who's sick before you'll take half an hour to work on your own book project that you're dying to do then you're the type of person that, having someone else in your process to whom you are accountable to is going to be enormously effective.
0: Gretchen was actually on the show uh a, a while ago talking about her book and so I'll make sure to link that up in the show notes for people who want to dig in deeper on that. That same type of person may be the kind of person who would jump in on say a month long writing every single day kind of thing that happens around November every year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Knowing knowing the type of person you are and what motivates you and how that works would 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 help you make that type of decision. And you're referring to Nano yes. which is a massively popular November event where where you are signing up to write fifty five thousand words, which is an arbitrary metric for <laughs> the the length of a book. And Nano RIMO is is like an incredible phenomenon in the writing world because hundreds of thousands of people sign up to do this. And um, I actually know Grant Faulkner, who is the founder and director of NanoRimo, and um, have spoken to him about this. And, and this incredible statistic is that the vast majority of people sign up to do that the week before it starts. And so it's this impulsive thing. And they think, well, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to, there's these great measurement tools and I'm going to do it. And, and everybody's going to know I'm doing it. And they're going to watch me if I don't do it. And they use the um, terminology of winning and losing um, NaNoWriMo, that if you write 55,000 words, you win. And if you don't, you lose. And people love this. People have done it six, seven, eight times. It's like a yearly ritual for them and they, and they love it. And it's, um, it's so inspiring and motivating, so many good things. But <laughs> this is the <laughs> this is the big but. They sort of hate themselves for what they've produced because they didn't ask the why question. They they wrote the words down. There's words on the page. Some of them are good, but they don't know why they're doing it. They don't know the why of the story. They don't, they didn't work on their structure. They didn't work on their framework. Oh, I just want to take people by the shoulders, right? Give me 6 hours, give me 2 hours, give me 4 weeks, give me any length of time and focus on these questions about the why and the what of your project before you work and it and it's not an exhaustive outline, it's not a grid-based thing. It's just step back and think about what you're doing, why you're doing it, what does it mean? What is your goal? Who's your reader? These fundamental questions. Nobody would start a business nobody would start a business without thinking, who's going to buy my product? What else is out there that's like my product? What do they pay for products like mine? What isn't out there that they need that they might pay for? Nobody's going to start a business without knowing those things. So why would somebody write a book without knowing those things? Because you want to be read. If you're going to write a book, you want to be read. You're not doing this for your own self. That's a journal. So if you have the desire to be read, and you don't do those things, I mean, it's one of the reasons why people in the business world look at writers like we're nuts, because first of all, we make like 10 cents an hour. Um, but we, we don't think about things in that analytic, holistic, strategic way. And just a little bit of that injected into the writing process can save you literally years. So When we're we're talking about the idea of productivity and efficiency and making time for writing, don't waste a year writing something you don't know what it even is.
0: There's nothing inherently wrong with saying, you know what? I've carved out some time, mostly daily, maybe, for a certain month, and I'm going to do work on my book or my writing for that entire month. But again, you want to—you don't want to start a um, a marathon before getting in shape for it or training for it.
1: That's that's true. I mean, that's just nuts. And and what NanoRimo does for a lot of people is it shows them. I think this is one of the most valuable things about it. Is it shows them that they actually do have time. Mm. They can make time. We had a, a client, an author, accelerator writer, last year who had this fabulous thing that they did for NaNoWriMo, which was they they planned out, well, they planned out their book, but then they planned out their meal preparation. Like on on the Sunday before it starts, I'm making, you know, a giant thing of, of chicken soup and I'm freezing it. And and then on the next Sunday, I'm making a giant thing of chili. And, you know, they literally planned out their their food so that they wouldn't have to think about it or spend any time preparing their food. Well, how long do you spend making dinner and and cleaning it up and thinking about it and going shopping every day? Probably a good 45 minutes or an hour, depending on how much of a gourmet you are. But you take that time off the table and give it to your writing all of a sudden you can write a thousand words a week or 1600 words a week or whatever you need to do to get to, to the, your goal. And so one of the huge things that NaNoWriMo does is proves to you that you can have the time if you just make some different choices. And something as mundane as uh, making dinner is probably where you're going to find the time. I often tell people when I had two little kids and a job and I was writing books um, back back in the day, I never did dishes. My dish my sink was always full of dirty dishes and I didn't fold the laundry. And when I tell people that, they usually laugh and they're like, oh, that's funny. You probably didn't really do that. And I'm like, no, I did not do that. I did not fold the laundry. And what, you know, I would take the clean clothes in the laundry basket, and I would, that that's where my kids would get their clothes from. They, you know, they probably didn't even know that dressers were a thing that existed. <laughs> it's like, That's the clean clothes basket, get your underwear out of there. And it was just, I prioritized wanting to be a book writer, over wanting to have neatly folded clothes for my little kids. And There were times when that would be embarrassing. Like if somebody would drop by and walk in and my house looked like a nightmare, you know, I wasn't proud. Um, I'd go to other people's houses and they would be tidy and, and clean and neat. And I would think, oh, I want a tidy and clean and neat house, but I wanted a book more than I wanted that. And so it's usually the things that you let go in order to make writing a part of your life are not grand sweeping things, it's, it's usually really small. And, um, it, you know, when we talk about household things, but um, you could give up, I mean, my goodness, we know, we all know the numbers on how much time people waste on social media. Right. And I, and I, I'm guilty of it myself. And, you know, there's a software you can get to block um, the internet or to block certain sites or or what have you. It's particularly dangerous for a book coach to be on social media because I, I have to be there all the time researching, you know, the internet as well, researching books, researching authors, going to websites, looking at events, what's happening, what's out there. It's part of what I do. And then I get sucked down into it and three hours go by, um, you know, so you have to be mindful of where you're spending your time and this is just productivity talk in general but i guess i guess it's back to that myth of the cabin in the woods that writers tend to think they have to clear the decks in order to to get the writing done and and i think that comes from this idea that a book is a very overwhelming undertaking it's it is very complex and multi-layered and you can't really see the end, you can't really see how it's going to go. I know how it's going to go now because I've guided so many writers through it. So I know about how long it's going to take, given how much time you can have to put in. I know about how many pages you're likely to have to throw out for every 10 that you write. You know, I know a lot of the metrics about patterns of creativity and how it goes. But a writer doesn't know that they don't have any reason to know that or 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 way to know that and so i think they tend to think it's so big and overwhelming and i just need this giant chunk of time and when i've got that i'll do it but i can promise your listeners that book writing happens in very busy lives in very small chunks of time my first agent told me that i could write a book if i could give it half an hour a day and a half an hour a day is pretty easy to find and maybe, maybe you can't find half an hour a day, but can you find three hours on a weekend once a week? You know it you can do it everybody does nobody nobody gets the cabin in the woods or you know the the leave of absence from their their job or whatever that fantasy is it It's always done within the context of a of a real life, and it's always done. A very small bit at a time and that goes ties back to what we were talking about that if you know why you're doing this if you have the framework properly hammered out which you can do easily in about four weeks with some guidance then you know what you're doing you don't just sit down and say where do I start what do I say I don't know what should go on the next page this blank page is ugly I'm gonna go look at Amazon <laughs> you know <laughs> If you know what you're doing and you know what's next, and i mean i I think if you have an accountability partner doesn't have to be a book coach, doesn't have to be one of my book coaches, it doesn't have to be someone you pay, it can be someone, but someone who's gonna hold your feet to the fire and and really hold you to it you're you're gonna get it done
0: yeah and and again, it doesn't even have to be something so uh annoying. Uh, To some people out there, as they were maybe hearing, it's like, you didn't do the dishes, you didn't do, you didn't fold the laundry. Like, no, but then again, you know what? Like, if you're in a family, kids can pick up some slack. They can get paid to do those things too, you know? And, 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 or you can even like say, wait a second, I'm going to do some of that folding while I'm rewarding myself for getting work done today, writing done today. While I watch TV or watch a movie tonight, you know, and you kind of that those are the kind of multitasking things that I think are okay.
1: Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. And I actually uh, have a, a podcast called Mom Writes that I coach two mothers of young kids through the writing of their first novel, and there's there's a year of episodes already already out there, and this is largely what we talk about is. Okay, you know, both my kids are throwing up this week, and it's Halloween, and there's costumes. And, you know, uh, I'm trying to write this scene in my book. Um, you, you know, and I, I managed to write a paragraph, and I feel horrible. And, you know, we talk about those actual feelings and how to actually do it with with a family. Um, because it's, it's a very real dilemma. And but you're right, I, I mean, I wrote, I wrote books with little kids and um, <laughs> I I was somewhat obsessive about getting my kids to learn how to read because I wanted quiet. I wanted, you know, <laughs> it's time we're all going to read. And, and I would sit down with a, you know, a notebook and write by hand just so I could, we could be in the room together. I wasn't behind a screen you know, it looked like I was participating in the reading and writing session. But, um, you know, I was planning out what I wanted to write when they went to bed. And one of the reasons I held their bedtime line so firm was that was my writing time, you know, nine o'clock when, when they were in bed, that was when I would, I would do that. And I have a very vivid memory of finishing, I wrote a, a memoir about my experience with breast cancer, and a very vivid memory of finishing it and I had an agent and a publisher so they were I was on a deadline for that and my kids were in the bathtub and I was sitting outside the bathroom on the floor of the hallway making sure they weren't drowning um you know keeping an ear just to make sure they were (laughs) alive while I finished this book you know and like you do what you have to do but again you're not going to do that if you don't know why it matters to you and right. if you don't know what you're trying to say, and if you don't know the meaning of it, and it's, it's absolutely true whether you're writing about dragons and fairies for middle schoolers or a memoir about breast cancer or a book about female leadership. I mean, it doesn't matter the topic. You have to know what your connection to it is.
0: Well said. So I want to land this Basically, by pointing people to where you're active online. So pe- if people have more questions or are curious, uh, one, I want to point them to that podcast because that sounds fascinating. Because if, if a, a, a mother or a parent with young kids out there can get a book written, then anybody can is, is my take. And <laughs> true. <laughs> um, and, uh, then on top of that, again, I just want to point people to where they can find you as well as your books.
1: Yeah, well, I've got a page set up for listeners. If if they go to authoraccelerator.com backslash to do, we've got some resources on there, some posts that I've written about some of these topics, some I'll put the podcast up there so you can easily grab that and you don't have to go, you know, search for it. And um, we have some resources. Um, so a six day writing challenge where we ask you to define your why. And we ask you these, the first fundamental questions that our author accelerator book coaches would go through with a writer. You can go through on your own. If you, if you grab that six day writing challenge. Um, so there's some things to test this out for your yourself and see if it, if this type of thinking works for you. I always tell people if what you're doing is working. Keep doing it, but but if I am to write a book and it's this monkey on your back and you really want to commit and get it done, thinking about bringing in somebody who can help keep you accountable is incredibly effective.
0: Jenny, thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome talking with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So again, I hope that if you're a writer, you got a lot out of this conversation and that even if you're not a writer, you can see where the principles that come in handy during the project of writing or writing a book. That these principles that we talked about in this conversation can help you in other areas of being consistent with your work or having a purpose behind your work so that when the momentum wanes, you can pick back up again, pick yourself up again, pick the work up again, keep moving forward and get it done to completion. If you know of somebody who needs to hear this conversation, I would love for you to share this with them by going to the show notes for this episode at com slash 240. Hit the share button there in whatever way makes sense the most for you to share it with that person. And with that, I will say thank you for listening and thank you for sharing. And I will see you next episode.